Hello, and welcome to another episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Repay. He's Chris Stanzial. Chris, we took care of business on Tuesday. It's always good to be undefeated. We're still in the club. 2-0, baby. Yeah, uh, happy Thursday to you, Eugene. And yeah, it's, it's good to be undefeated. You see the Dukes and the Michigan States of the college basketball world beating up each other and right now. And as much as you'd like to be one of those teams in that type of tournament, but it, it's always nice to see the zero on the right side of the win-loss record. Yeah, hopefully from those teams beating up on each other, we'll get a chance to maybe jump someone in the polls, maybe get some separation for some of the other guys. But we showed up on Tuesday. We did what we had to do. Took care of business. Throttled Nichols State, 113-77. to Mikhail Bridges put on a new career high, 23 points. He was locked in. He was locked in all night. Yeah, he was. I, I didn't get a chance to watch the game, but I listened to it on the radio. A shout-out to Ryan Fanning for another great call, by the way. It sounded like he did fantastic. He was getting to the baskets, had a couple dunks, made his free throws, 5-6 from the line, from the field, he shot 7-11, good for 23. I mean, no complaints whatsoever. He even was hitting his shots from deep, 4-7. He played a fantastic all-around type game that you expect from one of your star players on your team and one of the star players in college basketball. Yeah, we talked about how the shots were going to fall. He started 0-5 in that Columbia game. Not ideal, but look at it. He was making it rain, and so were the whole team. whole team bounced back, rebounded with a great shooting performance. It looked like the shots were falling. Yeah, for sure. We kind of made mention of it last episode and how we were kind of like, oh, well, if eventually these shots will eventually fall if they get the open looks. And it showed on Tuesday, 43% from deep. You'll take it most nights. And this is the type of night you really didn't even need to shoot 43%. So, yeah, it's good to see. Yeah, totally. And he wasn't the only one who was cooking. Jalen Brunson had a low-key, pretty good game. He had 17 points, four boards, five assists, seven of nine on the floor, one for two from deep. He was playing well. Phil Booth also had a pretty solid game, too. It's good to see him starting to get into a groove. And, of course, Dante was great off the bench. 20 points, 6 of 8 on the floor. Had that high-flying and one dunk. Yeah, so He's becoming a real spark plug, which I love. I, I like him coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. And even if it is technically a bench player, he's getting starter minutes. He played the most minutes out of anybody, or he was tied for the most, rather. Yeah. yeah, he was. He had, yeah, he actually ended up playing more than the two big men, Pascal and Spellman. I know you singled out those three, but really everyone had a great game. I didn't find any problem with anyone's game whatsoever. Anyone had a down game. It was Jermaine Samuels, but he's just getting his feet under him. I'm really not uber concerned about him yet. But yeah, everyone was seemed to be hitting their shots, making good plays to the basket. I, I know Phil... Had a couple of breakaway layups, one-on-one type situations. So it was nice to see, you know, get to see him make some moves to the basket with that knee and what and whatnot. Like you said, Dante is a spark plug, dropping twenty. I mean, he loves feasting upon these bad teams. He did it with St. John's in the Big East tournament last year, and basically all all last year in St. John's and some other lesser teams. So it's great to see him put up the points. Eastman, you made mention of it last episode that you you think he's going to break a dunk record of some sort. Well, he I think he's on his way there. He he had I I, I don't know how many dunks. I don't know the exact total, but it, it felt like. Uh, at least two hands worth. It was crazy. You're right. Everyone did have a great game. It's always fun when you put up triple digits on an opponent. So much offense. My head was spinning just looking at 
them all fly on the court, both sides, really. There was no shortage of possessions for everyone. A lot of people got touches. It was a crazy game. Villanova pretty much took care of business from the get-go. They went out to that 18-point lead early on, mm-hmm. and it was pretty much clear that they weren't going to let go anytime soon. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, it was definitely a high-flying game, it, and they they did not let up the tempo at all. And I was actually kind of shocked. I thought toward the end they would slow down a bit, but I feel like with them, at least right now anyway, I know it's only two games in, but I kind of get the feeling that if they start to slow it down more than they would like to, it's going to throw them off their rhythm, and they might not be able to get back to that up-speed tempo type of play they like to play. As a result, I mean, they did give up 77 points to Nichols, and coming into this, I was like, oh, well, you know, that's not exactly the best. But I think Nichols just put up 77 points just by the sheer fact that they had more possessions at that, just because Villanova had so many possessions, too, with the high-flying offense. I wasn't concerned about that. But toward the end of the game, it, if there was one thing I want to harp on that wasn't too great they did turn the ball over a lot it seemed like toward the end I mean obviously you're playing loose you're up big so it's not the worst thing in the world but I think they said on the radio they only averaged 11 turnovers last year in this game they put up 16 turnovers so not exactly the best in that department but honestly in this type of game you can get away with it I mean it's something to look through down the road if you feel like that if they're going to keep this tempo going they might be more more prone and susceptible to turn that ball over I see that could be that could be a problem. I mean, 15 isn't exactly ideal. Obviously, you want to keep that number as much as you can, single digits. But it is nickel state or nickels, rather, whatever they want to be acknowledged as, the colonels. So it's not too concerning. And it was the end of the game. A lot of them came in the second half. You're trying out new guys. The walk-ons got to go on, which is nice. In a game that didn't really feature that much defense, it was pretty good to see that Villanova actually had some effort on I mean, how many blocks? I don't think I've ever seen a Villanova team have this many blocks in, no. in a while, yeah. in a long time. They had three in, three in one possession. It was crazy. I, I never, I do not remember that at all. What, Bridges had four, I think, and then Omari had four. Could have had five, but that last one was waived as a foul. But he was hyped. He was hyped all game long. I love the energy he plays with. Me too. Me too, yeah. I saw it. I saw after one play that he, he was getting hyped again. I mean, that's what you need, like, in these type of games because, I mean, it was dead in that arena the other night. But as long as your team is bringing the energy and not the fans, then I think he should be okay. <laughs> yeah, I love his energy. I have no problem with it. I love seeing people get animated, get really passionate about the game when they're on the court. It's, it makes it so much more fun to watch, and especially with Amari Spellman. He's waited for this moment. And it's good to see that that buzz has not died down yet. And it, I don't even think it's anywhere near dying down. The man has waited extra time for this compared to most freshmen. And it seems like he's totally relishing in it. Got into a little foul trouble, but hey, he's just a freshman, second game. He's going to learn. It's totally not ideal to get your fourth foul with about 13 minutes left in the second half. But I love the enthusiasm that I played with. Four blocks can impact the court on both sides. He can get the job done. He can get the job done. Yeah, he absolutely can. And I think he's going to build upon these two. And like you said, that, that effort that effort and that drive to really show the NCAA that they messed up will not die with him. And I feel that as the games get bigger and it's more of a national stage, he's going to try even harder and get even more hype because he just, he just wants to prove to everyone that he should have been playing last year and now he's leaving scorched earth this year.
just a good overall game. I mean, first few games of the year, more of like a tune-up process, I guess. You know, get used to running out on the court, mm-hmm. experimenting with different lineups, different sets. I like what Villanova was doing overall. It was cool to see them play up-tempo. And also, they got some good experience breaking with the press. There were times when Nichols State started trying to double-team, starting to whip out their own press. So it's always good to get that experience because when you face off against defensive-minded teams like Gonzaga, it's good to get that burn when you can, seeing it live. You can always try to simulate it as much as you can in practice. And even then, it still won't match up to game speed or the real deal. So it's always good to get that burn, get that practice, get those reps in, and let the young guys get used to being thrown into that situation as well. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. The the fact that the young guys actually and the fresh, the freshmen really got, got to experience it. Because I think they said on the radio that Nichols was still pressing with under four minutes to go. And I think they called off the dogs around two minutes left i'm not exactly sure on the time but yeah and that's when the freshmen were all in at once and you're bringing in the bench mob and tim delaney and all that so yeah it's good to get them to work there and i completely agree with you it's live gameplay is much more is much better for training for the big time moments than just practice so i I completely agree with you there i will say that i am disappointed that my guy lafayette rutledge 7-eleven did not replicate his 7 for 11 performance from the three-point line in fact, he was shut down. I don't even think he scored a single basket outside of a free throw. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, 0 for 4 from the field, and all four of those shots were from behind the arc. He he, he struggled a little bit. The whole team. I will give props to Quavion Smith. Yeah, outside of, of him. the Colonels. He was, <laughs> he was good. He was dialed in. He was cooking. He scored a game-high 25 points, 6 of 9 from deep. Seemed to be like the only one that was consistently going. The other mm-hmm. guys put up some numbers too, but it was clearly volume. All mm-hmm. volume. I mean, Nickel State, all offense, no defense. The, right. As you said before, the New Orleans Saints of college basketball. Yes, yes, pretty much. <laughs> Except giving them the titles of the New Orleans Saints, I felt like was a little bit too much credit for them. So, In the blue corner, Mikael Bridges, I know we talk about how he, you know, his defense, how great he is defensively. He's got that long wingspan. He impacts the game, gets in those passing lanes plays with great intensity on the defensive end. But I love the aggression he played with offensively. A lot of people questioning his passivity, not taking as big of a role. Yeah, it's an equal state. But this man was on a mission. He put up a new career high. He was just everywhere. Offense, defense, five steals, four blocks. That's amazing. And then on offense, 23 points. He was flying. He was scoring inside, outside. It's definitely what you want to see. I like him being more aggressive. I know that there was some, there was definitely a knock on him offensively. Obviously, he had that reputation of being such a great defensive player. But to see him get going against a team like this, yeah, it's Nickel State, but that's great to see that he has that capability when he needs to or when he wants to. Yeah, the pterodactyl was in uh, full flight this game. That's for sure. Stuffed the stat sheet across the board, every every category. And yeah, I, I agree that you, you brought up a good point with the fact that he has the capability to do this. And I was a skeptic of his offensive capabilities, at least from beyond the arc. I thought inside he, has, he is a great player. I just didn't think in the beginning of the year that he's a great three-point shooter. And I, I kind of felt that last year was a little bit of a mirage and he would regress a bit. And for the first two games can't take a lot from it but I, it looks like he's proven me wrong so far and i'm glad he is he was very explosive uh, he had a couple dunks but 
to me, his ability on defense is just insane. The five steals to me, I think, is the most impressive stat of the night. Forget the 23 points, so career-high 23 points. Forget the four or seven shooting from three. Forget the six rebounds. Forget the four blocks. The five steals is, to me, is the key component. He's just such a lengthy defender, the wingspan. We always say it. It's just incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And it's it's a God-given gift. And he uses it to the best of his abilities and is able to create possessions for this team that maybe they shouldn't have had at, at some other points. He's just, he's just a great player. I mean, we, we've been throwing out hyperbole for the past five minutes, and it's just that's what it is. He's just a great player. It's plain and simple. It's good to see that he uses God-given wingspan to great use. He could have totally played another sport. Can you imagine him playing golf? Wouldn't have had the same effect, but just would have had that great mm-hmm. wingspan to waste. Golf or uh, soccer? Goalie, can you imagine that? <laughs> he would be a penalty kick specialist at that point. Yeah, they bring him in just just for late game situations or penalty kicks. Yeah, <laughs> yo, he should try out for the soccer team. Why not? It's two two different seasons, sort of, almost. You, you you get a little overlap. That's okay. So next up for Villanova is playing the nightcap and the doubleheader this Friday. They're teaming up with the women's basketball team. They did it back at the beginning of November for the Drexel exhibition game. That was part of that doubleheader where the women's team was taking on East Childsburg. This time they're doing it for real, and they're going to be doing it at the PPL Center. Last time Villanova was there was the Darren Hilliard game. This time around, we don't know what's going to happen, but we do know that Lafayette will be waiting for them there in the 8 o'clock tip-off slot. Chris, what do you like about Lafayette? What can we expect from Lafayette? Talk about them a little bit in the preview. Team that Villanova's seen a lot recently. It's got a good old Villanova alum at the helm, Fran O'Hanlon, as head coach. How are his lepers looking this year? Before we get into that, Villanova led off with Lafayette last year and defeated him 88-48. Nice little season opener. So yes, they have seen him recently. And Lafayette did not have a great year last year. Finished below 500. I don't even think they, they, they didn't win a game in their conference tournament. Out early. Not exactly the best. And uh, they're leaving right where they left off last year. They're currently 0-2, losing to the famed or infamous NJIT. By score 96-80. Not exactly the best look there. Additionally, they opened up their season at George Mason. Only lost that game by two points, so they were in that. They were in that game, but then you got blown out by NJIT, so not really the best look for sure. But statistically, Matt Klonuski is is their guy. He's averaging double digits right now this year, and last year he's coming off 16 points per game, six boards. He is their go-to guy, shot over 50% from the field. Inside presence for sure, so look for Pascal and Spellman to get their work in against them. Other than that, they don't really have much going for them. They're just not a good team. Like, this isn't, like, yeah, they made the tournament a couple years ago when they faced up against us, actually, in round one of, in 2015. But since then, it's just been a downhill spiral that Fred O'Hanlon just hasn't been able to correct. They're just not a great squad, plain and simple. Yeah, things really took a turn for the worst. They were a 21 team. They got to play Villanova after winning their conference crown. They graduate a lot of key guys, and it just seems like the rebuilding process just hasn't been going well so far. So far, not a great start, 0-2. One thing that Fran O'Hanlon can hang his hat on so far is that he's got to be impressed with three-point shooting. It's something that his Lafayette Leopard squad have usually been known for in the past. They were typically a very good three-point shooting team. Last year, though, they shot one of their worst performances in over a decade, really. 
this time around, they're bringing their numbers back up to north of 42, 43%, which is a pretty good range for a team. Great, great spot. But their defense is just still, still a work in progress. They're giving up a lot of shots. They're allowing opponents to shoot very well from the perimeter, which when you're going against a team like Villanova that lives and dies by the three, shoots them up, sleeps in the streets, that's not going to bode well for you. And not only to mention that, as we've seen, we've got some great inside presences with that one-two punch with Pascal and Spellman down low. And they can also take their game outside a little bit. Pascal maybe not as much, but we've seen Spellman drill some threes. He's capable of making it. So when you have all five guys on the court, one through five, and your starting lineup able to possibly shoot it, they're, they're going to have to be a little worried. They're going to have to be a little worried. Yeah, for sure, especially as a team. What, what are they ranking? Like 300-something in defense, defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm? 312. Yeah. 312. Yeah, they, they're going to be in for a long night. And like I said, they only got really one guy to go to, and then the rest is just kind of balanced scoring offensively. But on defense, uh, they can try and stop one, but then you got four other guys to worry about with with the, with this team. So it's going to be a tough task for them, even though it's kind of a home game for them. I think we're technically the home team, but it's their home-ish arena. So and so it's looking for a long night for them if they just can't get anything going on the defensive end, which is probably going to happen. Last time Villanova went to the PPL Center, it was an ugly start. Last time the opponent was Lehigh, Darren Hilliard saved the Wildcats from an ugly start. But this time around, I don't see any qualms. I don't think anything bad's going to happen. I think they got that game one rust off of them. Clearly, they can score the ball now get those buckets, get those baskets. I feel like this would be a blowout. Shouldn't be close. At least a 20-point game. Maybe 18 if you want to feel safe. But I think Villanova should win this one comfortably. Hopefully they'll get out to a pretty hot start and just look to bury them early and just pile it on from there. Yeah, I'm with you there. This should be a pretty easy win. And honestly, I thought Lafayette was better. I know they had a bad year last year, but saw them on the schedule. I'm like, oh, okay, they're not too bad. But, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty bad. This should be a comfortable win. Hopefully we get to see the bench mob again like we did last game. Chalk up another easy dub. Once again, tip-off is at 8 o'clock. It'll come after the women's game as Harry Pareto's squad will be taking on the other local Pennsylvania team from that area, Lehigh. It's a good showcase of some Pennsylvania schools, all for the love of some basketball. Yeah, that is a pretty cool thing they're doing with the doubleheader there. And also, this game's on Fox Sports 2. So I don't know how, again, the Nickel State game gets on Fox Sports 1, but the Villanova season opener and now the one against Lafayette isn't on Fox Sports 1. But whatever. TV, man. Villanova should travel pretty well. I think it's about, what, an hour away, they said? Hour away? Just under an hour away from Villanova? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, never been there. Maybe one day I'll take the trip up myself. Yeah, we should but know. we'll check it out. In the meantime, let's talk about the game that will lead up into that nightcap game, the women's basketball team and Lehigh. So the Lady Wildcats will proceed the men's team on hitting the floor first with a 5 p.m. tip-off against the Lehigh Mountain Hawks. Chris, looking okay so far. I mean, they're on pace to do a little better, I guess, than last year with a 1-1 record. What can we expect from the Mountain Hawks? Yeah, they, they kind of had a pretty bad year last year, 10 and 20. Uh, the year before that, they were just above 500. So yeah, it hasn't been the best of two years really high. But uh, for this game, you can expect a lot out of Quincy Mann. And two games really high this year, she's averaging 
17 points per game, three boards per game. She's shooting 35% from deep, 37 from the floor. She's pretty much the all-around player. I think she led the team in scoring last year as well. And then up front, Cameron Burr, she's averaging eight, eight boards per game and 11 and a half points per game as well. So it's pretty much those two. You got some other key contributors. But yeah, look look for those two to be the high scorers for, on the night. Yeah, Quincy Mann is pretty much their go-to player. They really like to get the ball to her. Last year, she was pretty much all by herself. It was her and everyone else. She averaged well 17 or 18 points per game, almost a 20. So you definitely expect her to get the ball. You got to cut her off. But it looks like this year she's starting to get some pieces around. You know, the it's a pretty young team. The roster makeup is pretty similar to Villanova's. Only three seniors, very sophomore and junior class heavy. So it looks like these players with a year of experience seem to be doing better. But right now, I don't know if it's enough to topple Villanova. They looked really good in that Hartford game to open up the season. And they've had over a week to prepare for this, or just about a week. So it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. they, they got a weird schedule in the beginning. It's all kind of spaced out and whatnot. And additionally, Lehigh actually played Villanova last year at Villanova. Ended up losing 59-37. to 37. So if last year is any indicator, Villanova should... Not easy game, but they should have a nice victory on, in store. But a lot depends... I don't, I don't know. I guess I guess that is a, this is a home game for Lehigh, technically. I mean, it is, right? I feel like we're technically the home because this is our double header event and whatnot. But honestly, Lehigh is probably a hop, skip, and a jump away. Right. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I just don't see Villanova faltering. They have so many different weapons between Adriana Hahn, Alex Lewin, Janet Tucker stepping in. You got Kelly Jaycott coming up now, not showing any signs of a sophomore slump. She's doing a lot better i i know that Peretta singled her out as someone who struggled a little bit last year but he had real high hopes for her going into this year she's played very well in that season opener just too many weapons and then on the other end you look at lehigh it's only quincy Mann. it's only cameron burr maybe a little bit of gina grandhofer but she's not really doing well on the floor most of her points have been coming at the free throw line so i think this should be an easy win i, I don't want to say easy but i think villanova will yeah. win comfortably there should Great. there shouldn't be any reason for a struggle here, and I think Villanova's on a mission. I think they get this one, and then they'll have a tough game against Duke right after that. Back of Jake Nevin. Oof. But uh, yeah, it's Oof. gonna be a little bit of, of a quick turnaround in a Friday Sunday game. But I think they should get this one tomorrow. Yeah, agreed. And Villanova will probably sweep both games. Yeah, I think the doubleheader will be a success, and that Villanova walks out happy. If you're a Villanova fan, yeah, yeah, you show up early for both games, you're gonna be satisfied with your ticket. Agreed. What time is the game? At, this game at? It's oh. it's right before, right? Yeah, it'll be at five. The men's team tips off at eight. Gotcha. But yeah, I think it would be a good day to be a Villanova basketball fan. Aside from this doubleheader, other things to look forward to this weekend. It's a pretty big one for cross country, as we mentioned in the last episode. They're heading to nationals. Bella was actually named the Mid-Atlantic Regional Athlete of the Year, so that's some nice accolades going in. Would love for her to walk away with the trophy. I'm not going to say much. Just like last year when Patrick Tiernan went into nationals, didn't want to, you know, didn't want to say, make any <laughs> predictions, didn't want to say anything. Just let them take care of business, and then whatever happens, happens. But it'd be sweet if Villanova walks away with another champion and another trophy to go along to their name. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Where where are Nationals at? Are, are they in Oregon again? Uh, this time around, they're at Louisville. Oh, Louisville. Were they in Oregon last year? I don't know why I keep thinking they're in Oregon. Maybe I think it's just the, the whole cross-country thing, Nike thing. Uh, maybe the spring one was, but I think it was in Indiana last year, if I'm not mistaken, the for, for, for the oh. fall season. Really? Wow. I am 
way off geographically. Oh boy. Well, oh, Tierney did beat the the guy from Oregon, Edward Cheserek. So maybe all that's right, what that, you're thinking of. Right, that's where I'm going with that. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. That was a big time upset. Yeah. I, <laughs> that was. We so, were pretty hyped on that too. Yeah, you never know. You never know what can happen. That's why I'm not going to make any predictions because I I didn't think the odds were looking good in Velo's favor, but he smoked him. He smoked Cheserek. He did. And he beat that kid out from Syracuse that almost threatened. But hopefully, you know, best of luck to Bellaberta and the rest of the cross-country team. Hopefully they get a great showing at Nationals. It's always fun to be able to race at such a high level and see where you stack up against the rest of the country. But we'll be watching. We'll be keeping an eye out for what happens. It should be good. It'll be this weekend, Mm -hmm. this Saturday. Both races will be happening in Louisville. Keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out for Roberta. We've also got the season finale for the football team. Villanova will be taking on its blood rival Delaware in another rendition of the Battle of the Blue. Last year's was not competitive at all. Villanova blew them out 41-10. to 10. The few games in the years before that were very close, very exciting. One of them was Zach Budnarzik's heroic duty in leading that comeback, fourth quarter comeback. Never forget. Yeah, never forget. Never, never all, forget. That was one of the <laughs> sickest things I've ever witnessed. Yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. And considering he was from my area, it, it just made it a little bit cooler. On, on homecoming weekend, nonetheless. Or parents weekend. Was it parents weekend? It was parents weekend. Yeah, parents it was, weekend. It was very yeah, early yeah, in the yeah, season. Yeah, it was parents weekend. Yeah, it was parents weekend. But then he had that other sick comeback for homecoming. So I guess it, right. I guess you weren't too far off. See, again, getting mixed up, man. I'm off. <laughs> Hey, I think the important part is that you remember the key moments. It's all about the key moments. True. So the Wildcats, right now, they, they can't salvage a 500 record. There are two games below 500. Delaware is currently tied for third with a 7-3 record. you got to think that one win will clinch maybe an at-large bid in the FCS playoffs. But I think if they lose, especially to a struggling Villanova team right now, we could potentially have the chance to spoil it for them, couldn't we? Yeah, we actually could. We were actually talking right before we came on the air how Villanova got in last year with three losses and actually ended up hosting a home game. And I think that just speaks to the uh, greatness that the CAA is. If Delaware beats Villanova, they should probably get in. Three losses, same record, same type of deal. But a loss to Villanova pretty much, that's that's your bad loss and that pretty much kills you. But if I'm Villanova, I'm getting up for this. I'm getting so hyped to play spoiler against a blood rival. Why not? You got nothing, really nothing to play for. So why not go out there and have some fun and spoiler for your rival? I mean, it, it doesn't get better than that. When you have a losing record, it's at least you're going up against someone you care about. It's not some throwaway game against freaking, who'd they play last week? Rhode Island. Rhode Island, yeah, there you go. So like, it's not like you're going up against Rhode Island, where it really means nothing. Go yeah, up or, there, go into Delaware, beat the crap out of them, and send them packing. It's not like we're playing the last place William & Mary squad. Oh, right. This, yeah, them too. Yeah, we have a chance to do some damage here. Misery loves company. We can totally spoil their season, potentially. Potentially, yes. It, and it, it, it could happen. Why not? I mean, I've, I feel like this team is just, it has the talent. They've just been injured the entire time. So maybe if they can get up for a game, they can beat Delaware. Maybe. Yeah, it'll be something to watch for. The offense hasn't really gotten to a groove. So maybe it all pretty much relies on if Villanova can get itself going, whether it be the ground game or some of the passing sprinkled in. But 
They've been struggling real hard since Bednarzik went down. Can't say for sure what they're going to do, but I would love to see them spoil it, bring home that Battle of the Blue trophy, and keep it in our trophy case for one more year. And spoil the Blue Hens' playoff hopes and dreams. Sounds like a plan to me. Heck, I'm even going to pick them in this game if we're doing predictions. I'm picking them. Why not? If we do it, it's probably going to be like a 17-14 type deal. Yeah, it's going to be a big-time defensive affair. With like a pick I'm all, six I'm all for it. or like a fumble yeah. recovery. <laughs> True. Yeah, basically whoever's defense scores first wins. <laughs> if they can so- somehow come across six points on the other end of the ball. Yeah, we haven't scored a touchdown in a couple games, so I think they're finally due. <laughs> oh, God. Hopefully they can break <laughs> yeah. the streak. True. <laughs> Kaylee Smith will be at the game on Saturday. So we'll definitely be killing on Instagram. Our View Hoops Instagram page is now racked up over 1,200 followers. Please go oh. check it out at View Hoops. It's really popping. It's a popping page now. It's back from the dead. I think I gotta give it a follow. I don't think I followed it yet. I might just do that right now. Oh yeah, you should totally do it. You should totally mm. do it. View Hoops. All right, I'm following now. And while we're on the concept of some playoff hope, this time we it's Villanova that has his playoff hopes at stake. Women's Volleyball has Creighton and Providence this weekend. Creighton first, then Providence after. It's got to be all hands on deck because if they want to clinch that 14 playoff over Thanksgiving weekend, they're probably going to have to win both unless the scene hall drops two and then Villanova squeaks out one. You don't want to put that. Obviously, you want to get as much control as you want, and it's going to start with the top dogs in the conference with Creighton. Chris, feeling optimistic? Uh, I am, but I just don't think Seton Hall will give up that spot. I think they'll win. I think they'll win one just to basically clinch at that point. And I don't know if Phil Nova's going to get past Creighton. So, feel pro- optimistic against Providence. Creighton, I'm a little uneasy about. But even then, if they do squeak by, I think Seton Hall matches them. So, there you go. And unfortunately, I think they'll be going home. Yeah, all eyes are on Amanda Peterson-Henry, Saremi Fairchild. They're going to have to be firing on all cylinders and make very, very, very little mistakes against a Crane team that doesn't really make much. Villanova did pull off an upset a couple years ago, and we've seen Marquette pull off the upset against Creighton this year. So they're not invincible. It's definitely going to be an uphill battle. We'll see how hungry and how bad Villanova wants it this weekend. Yeah, and that, that upset came... What was it? Two two years ago, when that was probably one of the probably the best volleyball women's volleyball team this school's seen in a while, and they had they had a lot of talent. And they were just bar- barely able to do it against Creighton. They, they Creighton's just so good. They're 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 like us in basketball, pretty much. They just dominate the Big East, top to bottom. It's they're really good over there. So, like you said, very little mistakes. Got to mitigate those, and just hope that. The ball bounces your way. It's stupid to say those cliches, but honestly, that's what's going to have to happen. Because I don't know if they're going to, they really have it on a talent level. It's going to take a little magic, a little luck, and some great games from everybody across the board. We'll keep an eye out for that. It'll be Creighton on Friday night, and then it'll be Providence on Saturday. So two, two games there. And of course, we got Nationals going on. We got the Battle of the Blue. We got this doubleheader tomorrow night. We got some good things going on this weekend. Good things going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. Exciting time. It's good to be back in full swing, you know? That's all the time we have for today. 
Keep it a little short, feeling under the weather, but we're hoping to be back at full strength next week with a new episode on Tuesday. Couldn't leave the people hanging. Shoutouts to Chris for handling the ones and twos this week. As I was pretty much out of commission. Making making the job easy, Chris. Making the job easy. Oh, you're welcome, Gene. Anything for you, buddy? I know you've been having some uh, rough times with the whole health thing. Shoutouts to Owen Hill Jr. for putting the pieces together this week. Doing a little post-production, working his magic, filling in. And we'll be back again on Tuesday. We're going to have some great content on viewhoops.com from this weekend. Once again, don't forget to follow the Instagram page, at viewhoops, which is also our Twitter handle. While you're on Instagram, just switch over to Twitter, give us a follow, and then you can follow me, Eugene Repay at Europay5. And you can follow me, Chris Stanzio, at the Stansman on Twitter. Nova Nation, happy Thursday. Enjoy the weekend. We'll be back at it on Tuesday.